carrying on in this uh, series on the laying out of hands and uh, the section we want to deal with we've had a look at what is the laying out of hands up until now um, and the section we want to deal with in this teaching and probably in the next teaching as well is the fact that we are called to lay hands on the unsaved um, we're going to have a look at scripture along this line but that is primarily what uh, the ministry of laying on of hands is, is uh, used for, is to lay hands on the unsaved. But before we get into the teaching, let's just have a look at the text verse that we will always look at uh, with regards to this series, because this series falls under the foundation doctrine principles of the, of the body of Christ. And um, that scripture we picked up and we've looked at it numerous times, but we'll look at it again, is in Hebrews chapter 6 beginning at verse 1. And the Holy Spirit writing to the church says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, or maturity is another word, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And so we've seen that there are the six foundational doctrines to the Christian faith that every born-again believer should be fully au fait with. And uh, we're having a look at the specific doctrine of laying on of hands in this series of teachings, and it's the fourth in the, in, out of the six doctrines that we need to know. Um, and so we come to the fact that laying on of hands is to be used for the unsaved. Our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when he walked the earth, uh, you will recall that he spoke to his disciples and he said, um, the harvest is white unto harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And, and he is obviously speaking of God our Father, for it is to God the Father that we pray through the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the harvest at that time when our Lord was walking on the earth was white unto harvest, and it is still white unto harvest. And he still uses his laborers to go out into his harvest in order to bring in the harvest. And the laborers that he, the Lord is referring to is the church. Uh, sometimes we think about the fact, um, because our Lord said the laborers are few, uh, that we should pray that the Lord would raise up, Lord didn't say raise up, but pray that we, the Lord would send forth laborers into his harvest. Um, we tend to think of the laborers as being those who are called to the ministry um, gifts, so to speak. However, the, the vast majority of people that come into the kingdom of God come into the kingdom of God not through ministry gifts that are used of the Lord, but primarily through the body of Christ witnessing to the unsaved around them. And so we are, as the body of Christ, the laborers that the Lord is asking to, uh, us to pray for, that he would raise up the laborers to go forth into his harvest and to bring them in. And it's, so it's through the church that our Lord brings his harvest into the kingdom of God. And that hasn't changed. That is still the same from the time that the Lord spoke to the disciples, even until this time. And uh, we are the ones who bring in the harvest uh, into the kingdom of God. And we do that through demonstration of the Spirit of God and through demonstration of His power. That is one of the methods that the Lord uses in order to bring in the harvest into the kingdom of God. And uh, we're going to have a look at a series of scriptures now that deal with this particular aspect, but it all relates to what we call the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16. Everybody is very okay with that particular point, uh, scripture where our Lord spoke and he said that those who believe shall um, uh, lay their hand. I, I don't want to touch on that particular scripture right now, but he's, he, he sent all of his disciples into the earth in order to fulfill the Great Commission. Uh, but before we get to that particular scripture, I want to just go have a look at uh, six scriptures in the book of Acts. And those six scriptures are going to highlight something to us with regards to the laying of hands and just how our Lord actually intended the laying of hands to operate in his church and through his church. And so the first scripture we'll have a look at is in Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 6. And I'll read the scriptures 
and then we will comment on them afterwards and see exactly what the common denominator is and how it is that the Holy Spirit is now uh, speaking to us through these scriptures. Beginning at verse 6, the scripture says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And then the next account we want to look at is in Acts chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. And uh, the scripture starts and says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Moving on to verse 15. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. And then the third account that we want to look at is in Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And then the fourth account we want to have a look at is in Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 32. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. And then the fifth account we want to look at is in Acts chapter 14, beginning at verse 8. And in Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leapt and walked. And then the last account I want to look at is in Acts chapter 28, beginning at verse 8. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had any diseases also came and were healed. And so those are the six accounts that I want us to look at from the book of Acts. The book of Acts are, um, is a record of the early church and how the early church operated and functioned um, as the body of Christ in the earth. And it's written for us as an example for us to follow. Uh, Those who are in the church 2,000 years later, we look at how the church operated 2,000 years ago, and we use that as our our benchmark, uh, so to speak. And we we look at how they functioned and how they operated, and we we learn from that uh, how we are to function and how we are to operate as a body of Christ even today. And so it is very significant. Firstly, let me state that there are only six accounts recorded in the book of Acts, which is the church's operation, um, whereby we see healings taking place through the church. I'm talking about specific accounts of healings now. I'm not talking about inferences to healings. Uh, For argument's sake, in in Paul's ministry, the Bible talks about the fact that God worked special miracles through the hands of Paul in that cloths were brought from his body and laid on the the bodies of those who were sick and demon-possessed, and the the sicknesses left their bodies and the demons came out of them. That is not a, a specific incident recorded. That is giving us an account of what transpired through Paul's ministry as he would be used of the Lord. But I'm talking about specific accounts given to us 
in scripture whereby we see actual healings taking place through individuals' ministries and through the laying on of hands in this particular instance. And so there are six recorded for us. What is very significant about them, obviously all six of them are healings that have taken place um, through the church, through members of the body of Christ. But what is very significant about all six of these healings that are recorded for us by the Holy Spirit, for we must understand all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so the Holy Spirit has himself decided which accounts of healings would be recorded for the church to look back upon and to see this is the, the example that he wants us to follow up follow because and we'll have a look at it as we go through the teaching today but there were myriads of of healings that took place through the church at that time um really this there were so many that that took place um but there's only six that are recorded for us in, in scripture and each one of these accounts of healings that have t- been taken place and been recorded in scripture are accounts of believers laying their hands on the unsaved in order to get them healed. And so this is very significant for us, that the Holy Spirit is emphasizing to the church that the main purpose of the laying on of hands for um, getting people healed and delivered from demonic oppression and demonic possession is the church is meant to be laying hands on the unsaved and ministering this power of God to the unsaved. That's really what this ministry gift is uh, all about with regards to uh, this aspect on the, of the laying on of hands. And so it's very important for us to see that in Scripture, that it, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is emphasizing to us um, by only giving us accounts. The, the, when, when, when Peter lays hands on um, Aeneas um, and he is healed, you know, the scripture talks about a certain man named Aeneas. Now, people can say, okay, but maybe Aeneas was part of the church. It, it is possible that he was part of the church. However, if you look at um, the way that the Holy Spirit writes the, 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 the book of Acts, whenever he says a certain man, he is always referring to an unbeliever. Uh, when he speaks of a believer, he talks about a certain disciple. Um, but I don't want to get into that right now. Even if it is five out of the six where it is five of the six incidents, it's for laying on hands on unbelievers. It's still the vast majority of the accounts given to us in Scripture for the church, laying on of hands for those who are healed and those who are delivered from demonic oppression. It's for the church laying on hands on the unsaved. And so very clearly the Scripture and the Holy Spirit is telling us through these Scriptures that He expects us to use the laying on of hands for the unsaved and um, in order to bring them into the kingdom of God. And we'll have a look at it. We'll expand on that as we go through the teaching. You say, but what about the laying on hands for the believers then? Well, with the God's, because we're talking mainly in this area, um, laying on hands, and we're going to look at the Great Commission now, for people to be healed and to be, people to be delivered from demonic oppression and demonic possession. Um, in the church, it is not really... Um, something that the early church expected to take place, that they needed to lay hands on people in, or, in the church in order to be healed and be, be set free from demons um, and demonic oppression, demonic possession. Um, the, 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 the scriptures uh, give us, in, in, in the Bible, it, it gives the, the New Testament believer the um, tools for us to walk in divine health. And we don't really touch on that side of the teaching today. But if you look, you look at Scripture, uh, Scripture is very plain. God has provided for His church to walk in divine health. And uh, it was never God's intention that the laying of hands be used primarily for the church because he's, he's made provision for his church to walk uh, free from sickness and disease, free from demonic oppression, free from de- uh, demonic possession. Um, it's never, it was not his intention that uh, laying on hands was used for that facility. However, uh, there is provision made, and we do see it in the book of James. Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anoint him with oil and lay hands on him, and the prayer of faith shall uh, uh, save the sick or heal the sick. Um, So God does make provision. 
Um, but it was not God's intention that uh, the laying of hands be used primarily for that aspect for the church. It's God's intention that the laying of hands for healing the, the sick and casting out demons is primarily used for the unsaved. And let's have a look now at, at the scripture, uh, the Great Commission, and um, one other scripture, two, a couple of other scriptures I want to look at, and then we'll, I'll comment on them. And so we see that in Mark chapter 16, uh, verse 15, we'll pick it up when our Lord is speaking. Uh, this is now when he is raised from the dead and he is uh, speaking to the disciples in Galilee and he's given them their commission uh, as he said he would. And he, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so this is the great commission. Go out now and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will no means, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And so we look at those signs. We, 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 we see verse 15 and verse 16. And we say, okay, that is for the unbelievers, because our Lord is saying, go out into all the world, preach the gospel to everybody, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. Nobody can argue with that, with that comment that, the, that that verse of Scripture is for the church ministry to the unsaved. All right? Then we come to the signs, and our Lord said, and these signs will follow those who believe. And... He says, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. These are the signs he's talking about. And if they drink anything deadly, it will no means hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And the church takes those signs and, and somehow brings it into the church. And says, okay, those signs are for the church. Um, it's in the church that we are to cast out demons and speak with new tongues, uh, take up serpents. And you have these weird churches out there that try and take up serpents. Um, and drink deadly stuff um, and no means hurt them and lay hands on the sick and they will recover however that's not what the Lord is saying here at all he's saying these signs will follow them that believe translated he's saying when you go out and you, and you preach the gospel these are the signs that will accompany the preaching of the gospel and when, when signs are given, it is always given to unbelievers. Signs are never meant for the body of Christ, for we've already believed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We don't need uh, to see signs anymore. It is the unbelievers who need to see the signs so that they can in turn believe on Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what uh, our Lord, when he came to the earth and, and he ministered healing and he cast out demons, um, he said, if you don't believe me, for, believe the very works that I do. And so he, he was saying to them, you know, the works that I'm doing, this is to, to help you to see that you are speaking to the Messiah, that I am the Messiah, and you are to believe in me and believe in my words. And uh, if you don't believe in me for my words, believe in me for the works that I do. Uh, and exactly the same manner. Um, the church is to, are to use these signs. These signs are to accompany the church when she preaches the gospel to the unsaved so that they may see those signs and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so the other scripture I want us to look at is in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, beginning at verse 21. And here the scripture is very plain about signs and who the signs are in fact for. Um, and the scripture says... In the Lord is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Verse 22, therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. And so, remember uh, the, the signs that will follow? These signs will follow those who believe. In, in Mark chapter 16, one of the signs that will follow those who believe, they will speak with new tongues. And Paul uh, plainly teaches us in 1 Corinthians 14, when we speak with tongues, it is a, a sign to the unbelievers. 
And so it's just confirmation once again of what our Lord is trying to get across to us in Mark chapter 16. The signs that should follow the believers are for the believers who are ministering to the unsaved in the world. And they see those signs and thus believe in him uh, and are, are brought into the kingdom of God. And so that is really what the signs are are for and what they're all about and there's one other scripture i want to look at and then i'm going to comment a little bit more romans chapter 10 verse 17 says very uh, as a scripture we all are fully afraid with says so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god and so there's certain areas where our lord expects every single believer to lay their hands on individuals and it's in the area of laying hands on unsaved, where Jesus expects all of his believers to lay their hands on them. For these signs shall follow them that believe, every believer. Every believer is called to preach the gospel. We are all called to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse, um, what was it, verse uh, 15? And verse 16 are for every single believer. It's not for the evangelists. It's not for those who are called to ministry. That particular verse of scripture is for every single believer. Our Lord has called each one of us to go out and to preach the gospel. Now we know that our Lord does not call everyone to become full-time ministers of the gospel. However, we understand that when our Lord says that we are to preach the gospel to every creature, we are to be witnesses to those around us, wherever we may find ourselves, in our workplace, uh, in, in our, our social environments, whatever it might be that we find ourselves. The Lord expects us to share our testimony of his uh, grace in our lives so that people can see what he's done in our lives and thus turn to him and be saved. And so that is what our Lord is expecting of us, in each one of us, to share um, the gospel with those who are around uh, us in our social environments and in our work environments. But as I said earlier, signs are always used by God for the unsaved, never for the saved. And the signs that follow us when we preach the gospel are those signs which will um, witness to those who are unsaved. And the signs are very clear. There's two particular signs in that uh, portion of Scripture that ministers to the unsaved. And that is the sign of laying on of hands on, on the sick and the sick being recovering and casting out demons. Those are the two signs that the church is called upon by the Lord to minister to the unsaved. We're to cast out their demons and we're to lay hands on them in order for them to be healed. Those are the signs that are, are given to the church uh, to perform among the unsaved that they may in turn come into the kingdom of God. And that's what our Lord Jesus expects us to do. He expects us to cast out the demons and lay hands on the sick of the unsaved that they may recover. And we all agree that we're called to preach the gospel and to witness the gospel to those around us. Um, and not every one of us are going to be used mightily of the Lord in order to bring uh, multitudes into the kingdom of God. The Lord raises up evangelists. Uh, there's an example of, of Billy Graham. He's an example of an evangelist who's been used of the Lord. And multitudes, it's estimated millions, have come into the kingdom of God through his ministry. However, not everybody in the world has ever heard of Billy Graham. And there's people that are in your environment who would never have heard the gospel preached unless you preach to them. Now, I'm not talking about going and Bible punching to them, but I'm talking about being a witness of Jesus Christ among them and always being ready to share the hope of, of glory that is within you, to share your testimony to others. So as people look upon you and see that your lifestyle is different, uh, people will ask you, you know, what is it about you? Why is it that you're always so uh, cheerful? Uh, why is it that you don't seem to go through half the, the trials and, and tribulations that we go through? And then you can share with them. Well, it's because I'm a son of, of God and Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Come, let me tell you about that. And so you can witness to people. Um, and the Lord expects you to do that. 
He doesn't expect you to go and save multitudes, but he does expect you to share your ministry uh, of reconciliation that he's given you, for he's given to each one of us the ministry of reconciliation. And even as God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself wherever the Lord walked, so the Lord is inside you reconciling the world to himself through you as you make yourself available and as you share your testimony with others. And so it is that our Lord expects us to lay hands on the sick who are around us and minister to them in that capacity as well. Now, God does raise up specific anointing and giftings in the body of Christ who are, are, have strong anointings on them for gifts of healings and for casting out demons, etc. And uh, they do minister to multitudes. But the Lord is not saying that each one of his children should now go out and minister to multitudes. But even as there are people in your environment who would never hear uh, Billy, the Graham, Billy Graham minister um, the gospel, but they will see you and they will hear what you have to say about Jesus. So there are people that are in your sphere of influence who will never hear about ministers of the gospel who are anointed by God to heal the sick and to cast out demons. So they just, it's, not, it's outside of their, their um, social um, interaction and they'll never hear about those people and they'll never get, get exposed to those ministries. However, they see you every day and they're exposed to you every day. And so when they get sick, it is to you that they can come and you can pray for them and lay hands on them that they can be healed. Um, and those who are obviously are oppressed by demons, you can lay hands on them so that those demons can be dealt with in their lives. And God is expecting us as believers to use his ministry gift that he's given to us, the laying on of hands ministry, um, in order to effect healings in those who are around us, the unsaved who are around us, and to cast out demons out of those who are unsaved around us. Now, when we share the gospel with people, let's just go back to uh, Billy Graham for argument's sake. When he shares the gospel, um, not everybody who hears the gospel preached in his meetings gives their hearts to the Lord. Um, there's only a certain proportion of people who believe and accept Christ Jesus as Lord and are saved. Not everybody that hears the gospel under the, an evangelist's um, ministry gift gives their heart to the Lord. In exactly the same manner, when we share the gospel with other people around us, not everybody believes that. And there's only those whom the Lord has called and those who it's, in, it's their time, uh, their, their, their season that God wants to bring them into the kingdom, that God opens their heart and they can hear the gospel and thus be saved. And so not everybody we witness to accepts the, the gospel. Some people, you know, think it's, it's stupidity and just laugh it off. Some people are kind of touched by it but not yet ready to give their hearts to the Lord. The seed has been sown. Um, but some people are ripe, and when you share the gospel to, with them, they're ready to come into the kingdom of God, and you can pray for them and bring them into the kingdom. In the same manner, when people go to um, those who are anointed of God, who have powerful healing ministries for argument's sake, not everybody that goes up for prayer for healing is healed. Um, a lot of people are healed, but not everybody is healed. And exactly in the same manner, when we lay hands on the, those in the world, I'm talking to the, about the unsaved now. When we lay our hands on people who are unsaved, not everybody will be healed because not everybody is going to believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so not everybody is going to respond to um, being prayed for when you lay hands on them in order to be healed. But just as when we witness to the unsaved and not everybody gets saved, we don't then give up and say, okay, well, I'm not going to witness to anybody anymore because I spoke to this person and they didn't give their hearts to the Lord, so that's it. That's me. I'm not ever going to speak in again. Um, no, we, we speak to other people as the Lord opens doors for us and we witness to them about, about salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord. And exactly in the same manner, when we lay hands on the unsaved, and people don't get healed, or, you know, there isn't a, a, a manifestation that, that takes place immediately. We don't then give up and say, okay, well, this is not for me. I don't, I'm not going to pray for people who are sick anymore. No, we, we, as Lord opens opportunities for us once again, we will again lay hands on those who are sick. 
uh, among the unsaved that they may be healed and that uh, they may be delivered of demonic oppression. People that are consistent in sharing their faith with others who are unsaved will from time to time see people come into the kingdom of God. The Lord will do that. Um, and you will see one here, one there coming into the camps, maybe more, depending on how, how effective you are in your ministry, your individual sharing of, of the gospel. Um, but the Lord will, you, if you're consistent in sharing the gospel with people around you, you will see people coming into the kingdom. You, those harvest, that harvest will come in. In exactly the same manner, if you're consistent in laying hands on those who are unsaved, who are sick, you will experience accounts of people being healed and they will be affected because nobody can be healed by the Lord Jesus Christ and then just walk away and ignore him. They have been affected, they've been touched. It's a sign that they have seen manifested, that the power of God manifested in their lives. And uh, it could very well be that that particular um, laying on of hands uh, where they get healed is the trigger to bring them into the kingdom of God. For it is a sign in order to bring them into the kingdom of God. And so we need to be obedient to lay hands on people in order for them to be healed. Our mandate, when we witness to people to be saved, it's not our mandate to get them saved. We, our Lord never told us, go out there and get people saved. We don't do that. He said, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Our job is to preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit who resides within us, he is the one who takes our words and convicts those uh, to whom we're speaking. And when he does that, um, it is up to them to then respond to that word and either give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ or turn away at that particular point in time. But it, God does the miracle of the new birth in the individual. God saves souls, not us. We speak the words. That all, that's all we do. We're vessels. We speak the words of salvation, and the Holy Spirit takes our words and works the miracle of new birth in the individual who's listening to our, our, our witness for our Lord Jesus Christ. In exactly the same manner, our Lord has not told us to go heal people. Okay, Our Lord has told us to go lay our hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. We lay our hands on the sick in faith, they in turn believe that they will be healed in faith and God calls, causes the healing to take place. It is all, it boils back down to faith again, okay? Let's just go back to us ministering the gospel of salvation when we witness to, witness to people to bring them into the kingdom of God. You never go up to somebody in the street and say, can I pray for you to be saved? Um, you know, people will think, okay, this one is a little bit of a nutty person. You know, I'll give them a bit of a wide berth. No, what we do is we, you know, we say, can I share my, my faith in Jesus with you? Um, and the doors open to us in various avenues. It might be a work colleague. Um, and you just got to speak to that person. And they say, you know, you know I've just noticed something different about you. And you can say, okay, let me share with you why it is that I am different. And let me share with you about my testimony of Jesus Christ. And so you witness to the person. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit takes your words forward. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so when you speak your word of, te of testimony into their lives, um, the Holy Spirit takes that and it quick he quickens the faith in them that they can respond. At that time, you then say to them after you witness, do you mind if I pray for you that, uh, you know, you, you, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Can we pray together? And you will get the response, yes, okay, I, I, I believe, okay, let's pray. And then you can pray for the individual and bring them into the kingdom of God through that manner. In exactly the same way, when we are used of the Lord to, to pray for the unsaved, for their sicknesses that they may be healed, we first tell them about the healing power of Jesus. And you testify, you know, I, 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 I had uh, uh, flu and, and I trusted the Lord and um, I went up for prayer and they laid hands on me and instantly I was healed. Um, but, you know, God can do exactly that for you as well. If you want me to lay hands on you and pray and let the Lord heal you. And when you do that, what you're doing is you're building up their faith because they're hearing 
uh, words of God. They're hearing what God can do and they can then release their faith so that the Lord can heal them. That's exactly what our Lord did in when he walked the earth. Um, you know, his, 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 his opening uh, message that he preached was, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to heal the sick. And so if people would believe what Jesus preached, they would come to him and say, all right, well now, will you lay hands on me that I may be healed? And he would do that and they would be healed because they believed that he was anointed of God to heal. And so exactly in that manner, we, do, we, we witness to those who are unsaved about laying hands on them that they may be healed. And when you do, um, the Holy Spirit takes those words, causes faith to rise up in their hearts. They can believe that Jesus Christ can heal. And so when you lay hands on them in faith, they release their faith and God is able to work the miracle of healing their bodies of whatever sickness they may have in their bodies. And so it, it's, a, it's a really simple um, method of operating. And again, as I say, our Lord has not called us to go out and heal the sick. He has called us to go out and lay our hands on the sick and the sick will recover for those who believe. And these are the signs that follow those who believe. And these are signs. They're signs for the unsaved. Um, and that is what we're called to do. And the early church recognized that the laying of hands was really primarily for the unsaved. And let's have a look at two accounts in Scripture that um, demonstrate to us the fact that the early church recognized that the laying on of hands was for the unsaved, mainly for the unsaved. Um, and I'm talking about laying on of hands for getting people healed and delivered from demonic oppression and demonic possession. And so the first scripture we look at is in Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. Um, and the scripture says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Skipping down to verse 29. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Notice that, uh, that word, uh, terminology. And then in Acts chapter 5, um, we're carrying on with the account of what has transpired as a result of their prayer. Picking it up at verse 12, the scripture says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet not, none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. And so... The background to, to this portion of scriptures, what had happened was that um, the Peter and John had been pulled aside and been told they're not to minister uh, in the name of Jesus anymore. And so they got in the church together and reported back what the, what the Jewish leaders had said. And the church got down together and prayed. And they prayed to the Lord and they asked the Lord to intervene with signs and wonders. And... The accounts of, of Scripture that we just had a look at are the prayer that the church prayed and then also the result to, what, to their prayer, how the Lord responded, how the Lord answered their prayer. And those are the Scriptures that we had a look at. And at first glance, when you have a look at those Scriptures, it looks like when they prayed, God answered their prayers through the apostles and primarily through Peter's ministry because the, 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 the Holy Spirit singles out 
Peter, first it singles out the apostles in that it says that great signs and wonders were done through the hands of the apostles. And then the scripture singles out Peter in that even the shadow of Peter passing by healed those who who lying on their beds in in the streets. Um, but that is not really the case at all. If we we'll have a look at the scripture in more detail, but what happened was God answered the prayer through His church, and the whole church experienced the power of God. When, when, uh, and let's just have a look at it. They, the Bible says they raised their voice to God in one accord. So the whole church was praying together in one accord. And it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So not just the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit at that time. But, and don't forget, they'd all been filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But this is another infilling that took place. And the Bible says that they were all filled. So that everybody who was praying were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, and they all spoke the word of God with boldness. Not just the apostles who went out into Jerusalem and preached and spoke the word of God with, uh, with boldness. The Bible says they all spoke the word of God with boldness. And this is now every single believer going out and witnessing to the Jews in, in Jerusalem. And the Bible says, and great grace was upon them all. And so it wasn't just the apostles who, um, who to whom God gave that grace. It wasn't just the apostles and through Peter that the anointing of God flowed so that they the disciples could... Those the apostles could do all the healing, and Peter specifically could heal everybody. And that's not the case at all. What had happened, and you, and we need to understand Scripture along this line as to how the Holy Spirit um, records things for us. Remember, we, at our opening of the of this particular teaching, we looked at six scriptures, only six given to us, six accounts in the in the Book of Acts of healings taking place. And yet there were myriads of healings that took place. And I'm sure that there were outstanding miracles that took place of, of lame being healed, of blind eyes being opened, of deaf being uh, healed. Um, but there are only six recorded for us because the Holy Spirit is very limited in that short space given to us in the book of Acts to record what it is that transpired. And so he puts into the book of Acts the specific incidents that he wants us to study and to analyze and to see. And so when we get to the answer of, of the prayer that, that the Lord gave to the church at that particular time, and we see uh, that, that Peter is used, we tend to think, okay, well, it was God answered and Peter was mightily anointed of God. And, you know, he used Peter and that's where how the Lord answered their prayer. But that's not the case at all. The case is, is that Peter was mightily anointed of the Lord. The apostles were mightily anointed of the Lord. They, they had greater anointings upon their lives, without a doubt. Um, but the, the Holy Spirit only highlights them because of his limitation in what he can put into the book of Acts. But the Bible is very plain in that they were all... Um, filled with the Holy Spirit, and great grace was upon them all. Every single one of them were used by God. Peter, to a much greater degree, for he had the stronger anointing upon him. The apostles, to a much greater degree, for they had stronger anointings upon them. However, individual believers also were used at that time by the Holy Spirit to minister healing to the unbelievers, the unsaved, because this is all ministering to the unsaved. Uh, through signs and wonders, Lord, you know, we want you to stretch out your hand with signs and wonders so that we can preach the gospel to bring people into the kingdom of God. And that's how the Lord responds. He answers their prayer and he does it through all of them. But he highlights certain individuals. Um, let's have a look at a, a scripture along that line to, to just um, illustrate to us. What the, why it is that we can say that it is only, the Holy Spirit can only highlight certain individuals, can't bring it all out. Acts chapter 15, verse 12, says, Then, then all the multitude were kept, kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And so here we see, Barnabas and Paul coming back after their first missionary journey and they had gone all through the, the, the island of Cyprus and had gone into Asia Minor and they had preached in numerous synagogues and had started numerous churches and 
they come back now from the the, the trip and they're actually giving feedback in, in this is in Jerusalem they're giving feedback but they're giving feedback as to what God had done through their ministry in that period of time and, and that period of time expanded for a number of months and the scripture tells us how many miracles and wonders God worked through them uh, among the Gentiles and Paul and Barnabas and you look at the scripture they spent the whole day recounting to uh, the elders and to the apostles just what the Lord had done through their ministry on that one journey one ministry journey alone in scripture we only see two accounts given to us of what transpired in that particular missionary journey. And the first, the one account we see is Elymas, the sorcerer, where Paul uh, speaks to him and causes blindness to come on, on him for a year. Um, and then we see the account of that man in Lystra who was healed, and we read the account earlier under Paul's ministry, uh, where he said, said, stand up uh, on your feet, and he stood up and he was healed. And those are the only two accounts given to us in Scripture. But there were many that took place. And so the point I wanted to get across from that particular point of Scripture is the fact that the Holy Spirit is limited in what He can share with us through the book of Acts. But we need to read it in context and realize, wait a minute, there was a lot going on in the church at that time. There was a mighty power of God being made manifest. And it wasn't only getting back to now Jerusalem, and the early church, after they had prayed, it was not only through the apostles and through the pillar that God answered prayer. Um, it was also through the other disciples. And um, another scripture I want us to have a look at uh, so to highlight this particular point is in Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Um, the scripture says, Now in those days... When the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, uh, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so we see that what had happened here is that the, the, the early church has, had exploded, um, in that it had just grown disproportionately to the, the ability to cope in, in, in shepherding the church. And so the apostles were not able to cope with, with the volumes, and also dealing with now the daily distribution that was taking place. And so the apostles now say to the church, you know, and they obviously worked it out, you know, seven people would be enough to, to take care of this particular job. So can we look at seven people out there? Uh, and this is their criteria. Seven men of reputation full of the Holy Spirit. And we'll, you, guys, you guys select them and we'll lay hands on them and then we can appoint them over this, this uh, particular job that they have to do. And so they select these seven men of reputation. Now you need to understand that at this time, the church is not older than a few months, three months maximum, three, four months old. And so when, they, when the Bible talks about the fact that these men were men of reputation in the church and full of the Holy Spirit, these were not men who... Uh, everybody had known for years and years and years, and they just these were you know solid men who you know we tested them and they are are you know of honest reputation and you know they've really got a good reputation. Now these were men who had the power of the Holy Spirit operating through their lives, and the reputation that they had was that God was using these men. And these were men that were full of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't only these seven, but they, the, the apostles only called for seven. 
And so they chose these seven. And these are the seven that were brought forward to the apostles in order to fulfill this particular role of waiting upon tables. Um, Paul would refer to it, and the scriptures do refer to this particular ministry as a ministry of a deacon. And a deacon is one who's just called to assist in the church. Um, it's not a, not a, a ministry gift like the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And this, these are deacons. These are guys that are going to go wait on tables. They're going to minister the daily distribution. They're going to hand out the, the, the daily food, really, is what the, it's all about. But they, are, they have a built a reputation already amongst the, the rest of the believers because the power of God is being made manifest through their ministries, uh, through them laying our hands on the unsaved and causing them to be healed and causing uh, signs and wonders uh, to happen uh, through them, their, their laying on of hands. And so we see that it wasn't only uh, the apostles that uh, were used of the Lord in laying on hands. It was also through the individual um, disciples. And of those seven, the scripture gives us an account briefly, but it does give us an account of two of the seven. And so we can look at two of those seven men and we can extrapolate that out. We can say, okay, well, if this is what the Holy, remember what I said, the Holy Spirit can only highlight certain events and highlight certain key individuals. He couldn't put it all down because there's just far too much that was regarded. I mean, it was not, not enough books to record everything. So he records specific events for us. So he's recorded seven men who had reputation and were full of the Holy Spirit at that time. Of the seven, he then records two of them, and he highlights just briefly what transpired through those two gentlemen, those three men, two men. And by looking at those two men, we can say, okay, well then, this is what Nicholas was doing as well. This is what Parmenius was doing as well. This is what, uh, well, the other guy's name, so I don't, uh, I don't know them offhand at the moment. But this is what they were doing. And remember, it, the apostles only called for seven because they worked out they only needed seven guys to help out with this particular uh, aspect of, of the ministry. Uh, so there were most probably others and many more out there who were being used of the Lord in this manner. But let's just have a look at the two. And the two are obviously Stephen and Philip. And the first one we'll have a look at is Stephen because uh, uh, the scripture gives us a bit of an insight into how the Lord used them. And we pick it up in Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And the scripture says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now, think about the fact that what Stephen was. Stephen was, in today's terms, a deacon in the church. That's, that's the highest office he attained in the church, because very shortly after this, uh, Stephen was martyred for the Lord. So he never stood in any ministry gift. Now, it could be that the Lord had called him and anointed him to eventually stand in a ministry gift. Um, but the Bible does not say that. The Bible only says that Stephen was full of faith, and full of the Holy Spirit and full of power. And he performed great wonders and signs among the people. Now that's obviously among the unsaved. The great signs and wonders that he performed, go back and saw, see what the apostles did. For the Bible talks about that, that great signs and wonders were performed through the hands of the apostles. And it's talking about miraculous healings taking place. It's talking about demons being cast out. It's talking about the power of God being made manifest through the laying on of hands. And Stephen was used in that role, exactly in that manner. And that's the reputation that he had in the church. And he was then put forward as one of the seven by the church to the apostles to lay hands on. And by the way, when the apostles laid hands on them, that was for another purpose entirely. It was for the office of deacon that they had separated them to. It had nothing to do with them going out and laying hands on the sick and, and praying for the sick and, and casting out demons. They were already doing that before the apostles ever laid hands on them. The apostles only laid hands on them in order to fulfill the role of doing the daily distribution at the tables and ministering the, the, the food to, to the church. And that's what the apostles laid hands on them for. So before Stephen and Philip and the other uh, five ever get to the apostles, they're already performing the works that are recorded for us in Scripture. And the Bible says that Stephen did great uh, wonders and signs among the people, talking about the unsaved now. And then we have a look at Philip as an example, because Philip now would be uh, alongside Stephen. 
Now the two of them would have been disciples together in Jerusalem and they would have learned from the Holy Spirit exactly how to operate just as Stephen was operating, so Philip was. Let's have a look at if Philip. We get a bit more detail as to what transpired through uh, his laying on hands. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And so here it's a a more detailed account of what transpired through Philip's uh, ministry, uh, through his laying on of hands in that many lame and paralyzed were healed and many demons were cast out through his ministry. But Philip learned what he did in Samaria. The background to him going down to Samaria is that Stephen is martyred. Um, and when Stephen is martyred, Paul, in, in, or Saul at that time, uh, initiates a tremendous persecution against the church, and the church is scattered throughout uh, Judea and Samaria. And uh, Philip is one of those who are scattered, and he goes down to the city of Samaria, and he preaches the gospel to them. Remember our Lord's uh, commission? Um, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and these signs shall follow them that believe. And that's exactly what Philip's doing. He goes out into Syria, Samaria, he preaches the gospel, and these are the signs that follow him. But Philip learned what he did when he was still a disciple in Jerusalem. Um, Because people say, okay, well, Philip was an evangelist. Philip was an evangelist, but he only became an evangelist Many years later, the Holy Spirit uh, promoted him to the ministry gift of the evangelist. But at this time, when Philip goes down to the city of Samaria, he is still just a deacon. Uh, that's the highest office he had attained at that particular time. And yet he goes out and he, and he lays his hands on those who are sick, and the Lord heals them and performs signs and wonders through the laying on of his hands. And Philip and Stephen would have been ministering side by side in the city of Jerusalem, doing what they did. And um, let's just go and look at the other guys' names again. I'll get this right. Um, Bear with me. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, the other five, would have been doing exactly the same thing. And also any other disciple who's unnamed in Scripture would have been doing exactly the same thing as well. They would have been performing the signs because, remember the scripture said, great grace was upon them all. And they all spoke the word of God boldly. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And in response to the church's prayer in one accord, the Holy Spirit came upon them all. And they went out into the city of Jerusalem and they preached the gospel. They laid hands on the sick. And great signs and wonders were done through the laying on of the hands. And it would have been done through Stephen. It was done through Stephen. We've seen that. It was done through Philip. We've seen that. It would have been done through the other five. It would have been done through all of the disciples who at that time were prepared to step out in faith and just fulfill the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Those who, they shall lay their hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. They shall, in my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with other tongues. We've seen speaking with other tongues is a sign to the unbelievers. Laying hands on the sick is a sign to the unbelievers. Casting out demons is a sign to the unbelievers. And those are the signs that are meant to follow believers who go out and preach the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission. And so the early church used the laying on of hands primarily for the unsaved. The Holy Spirit has written to us through the book of Acts, showing us and giving us accounts of all of the incidents of people being healed um, through the laying on of hands, and it's always the unsaved who are being healed through the laying on of hands. Now, God does, as I said, make provision for His church to be healed through the laying on of hands. That is, uh, that provision's there. But it was never God's intention that that's what the laying on of hands was used for. The laying on of hands is meant to be used for us to go out into the world, lay our hands on the unsaved, that they may be healed as a sign to them so that they may turn and come into the kingdom of God and casting out demons as a sign to them that they may turn and come into the kingdom of God. 
And these signs follow those who believe. We go out, we preach the gospel, we lay our hands on in faith, and God works the miracles. God is the one who does it. And we've had a look at uh, the examples given to us in Scripture of Stephen and Philip, who did exactly that. And both of them, at the time that they were doing it, were at best deacons in the church. Uh, And before they became deacons, they were doing this. When they were still just disciples, um, they were doing this. And that is what God has called us, His church to do, is to go out into all the world and primarily were to lay hands on the unsaved. That is what uh, the ministry of laying of hands primarily is all about, specifically in the areas of um, healing and casting out of demons and uh, those who are demon-oppressed. And uh, I think I'm going to end the teaching on that particular point today. Amen.